several months ago, I was uh, getting my oldest daughter, Jordan, up from, uh, to get ready to go to school, and uh, she was just not having it. Uh, have any of you ever had a teenager that did not want to get up? Anyone at all? Okay, a few hands. Some of you are like, I can't wait for that day. Um, well, I knew that I needed to be calm, so I kept a voice very calm, and I said, Jordan, it's, it's time to get up. And she goes, leave me alone. And then she just turned over on the bed, and I was like, ah, great. So I walked out of the, uh, her room, and I went ahead and went downstairs and thought, well, the best use of my time is to help with breakfast. And so I got stuff ready, the cereal, the milk, vitamins, all that kind of stuff. My wife, Jennifer, walks into uh, the kitchen, and uh, she said, um, hey, can you make me some coffee? I said, yeah, no problem. I'll make you some. And so I went to the refrigerator to get some uh, half and half uh, milk so that she could put in her uh, creamer into her coffee. And when I got ready to close it, I noticed she had already started making the coffee herself. And so I turned to her and I said, well, Jen, I said I would make the coffee. She goes, well, you're just going too slow. It's like, okay, no problem. And so she made her coffee. And then about a half hour goes by. We get all done. I, it was my day to take the kids to school. And all of a sudden, Shiloh starts running around. I can't find my socks. And so I'm quietly not trying to elevate, escalate anything. I go try to find uh, her socks for her. And uh, I'm looking. I'm like, you know, which socks do you want? And then she yells at me. And she goes, you're not helping, Dad. You are not helping. And at that point, I lost it. And I got a tood, an attitude. And I came unglued. And I started yelling at them and going off. And I was like, you ungrateful. I can't believe this. I'm trying to help you. And this is the way you're doing. And blah, 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 blah. And we get in the car and we rush off to their friends because we had carpool duty. And you know how it is if you're a parent, you're really upset with your kids until the other friends get in the car. And then you're like, oh, everything's fine. <laughs> we have no issues at the Bunch household. And so the rest of the day... I had a bad attitude that just filtered out to everyone else because of the way it started. Have you ever had a morning start like that before by a show of hands? Any of you? Oh, you're all holy people here, huh? Yeah. Uh, for those of you on the stream, have you ever woke up in the morning and all of a sudden your attitude is just there. Maybe someone said something to you. Maybe someone did something to you. Maybe you just woke up on the wrong side of the bed and folks, all of a sudden these attitudes can come to us and we can have a horrible attitude because of the circumstances that hit our face. And we have a choice at that point. What are we going to do? Are we going to allow the circumstances to control us or will we choose our own attitude? How are we going to respond? Because the reality is, folks, you choose your attitude. Every single one of you chooses your attitude. No one chooses that for you. You do, and I do as well. And this kind of leads us to our big idea this morning, and it's this. Attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. When it comes to me and where I'm going, and when it comes to you and where you're going, attitude is literally everything. Now, when 
life circumstances hit us or things don't go our way, we typically come to a fork in the road and we have a choice on what is our attitude going to be like. And so we take an attitude check. You check your attitude. And what I found most of the time is people typically go one of two ways when they hit that crossroad. The first way is what I call a complaining attitude. You go towards a complaining attitude. You just look at the negative. You look at the pessimistic. You become a whiner. And this is what I need you to know, that if you choose as a lifestyle complaining, you will live a lifetime in the wilderness. If you choose a lifestyle of complaining, you will live a lifetime in the wilderness. Dry, parched, ungrateful, unthankful, just horrible kind of thoughts. And the reality is, all of us have lived there before. I've had my share of days in that place as well. And the reality is, though, is that God has another way. Another way for you to live your life. And there is another way you can check your attitude, and that is by having a thankful attitude. An attitude that's filled with gratitude and an attitude that calls us to live out the way God intended us to be. Now, uh, you cannot go down the path of thankfulness by yourself. There's too much stuff that hits our lives, and so you need help. You need some supernatural help, and that's why the key is having that relationship with Jesus himself, the one who knows you best and loves you most and can help you to have an attitude like his. You see, this is what is interesting about Jesus. We talked about today when we took communion that he gave his one and only life Uh, and his blood was shed, and his body was given and broken. And the reality is, is that Jesus endured so much. He was betrayed, he was denied, he was rejected, he was abused, he was beaten, he was uh, crucified. And yet, he never once complained. You can look throughout all of Scripture, and Jesus never has a complaining attitude. He had an attitude of thankfulness and gratefulness. And scripture actually tells us in Philippians 2, 5, that we are to have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Now, this morning, we're going to look at a story that deals with thankfulness and gratefulness. And it's found in uh, the book of Luke, which is in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. And in chapter 17, verse 12, we read these words. As Jesus entered a village, ten lepers stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Here are these ten men, and the thing that they have in common is that their plight of their life is hopelessness. Because leprosy was a dreaded disease, and it's one in which it consumed people, and when it did, it truly destroyed their lives. It always began with blotching of skin uh, first, and then it turned into these larger lumps that would protrude out of your skin until finally they would grow so large that you would be deformed, either your body, your face, 
everything. And then the next stage was that actually your fingers and your toes would begin to fall off and other parts would begin to do the same until you would hit a coma and then you would lead to death. And it was an excruciating, painful death. Now, once you identified as a person who had leprosy, not only did you have all of this going on with you physically, but you were relegated to be away from the rest of the community and placed in a leper colony. You would leave your family, your friends, your, uh, everything that was close to you, and you were by yourselves, and you would never have human touch again from the people that you loved the most. Now, can you imagine never having human touch again in your life? Never having a child give you a hug. Never having a, an, an adult put their arm around you, around your shoulder and lift you up. Never to have an embrace of a spouse or a friend. And this is what these 10 guys were headed for. They were never going to have human touch again from the people in their life who they loved the most. And when this happened, you can just imagine how depressed and discouraged one would be. At your lowest point, you have no human touch. And then one day Jesus is walking along and he sees them in a distance and there's this encounter and look what happens. Jesus looked at them, the ten lepers, and said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, their leprosy disappeared. So these ten lepers, these ten outcasts, actually started in the direction towards the priest, and they were on their way when all of a sudden, whammo, they're healed. And they start to look at one another like, Dude! Check me out. I don't have any of the leprosy anymore. They were all healed, all 10 of them. But then watch what happens. One of them, how many of them again? How many? One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God, I'm healed. Now, again, how many of them came back? How many? One. There were 10 healings that took place. Nine went on their way. Only one actually returned back to give thanks. And this is what I need you to remember this morning. Only a few of us Thank Jesus personally. Only a few of us folks ever thank Jesus personally. And look at the humility that this man has when he comes to Jesus. The text goes on to say, The man fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. So he's a leper And he's a Samaritan. It's like a double whammy. It's bad news. You see, a Samaritan was a person who was considered a half-breed. They were half-Jewish, and they were half-something else. And if you were not a full Jew in that culture, you were pushed aside. 
And now, here is this person who is rejected from the rest of society because he's a leper, and then on top of that, he is a Samaritan, and yet he comes with a thankful heart. Folks, this just goes to show you that anyone, regardless of the struggles that you are experiencing right now, any of you, whatever it is, you can still choose to be thankful. You can still honor God. And notice that Jesus notices the attitude of the thankless nine and the thankful one. It goes on to say, as he asks this question, didn't I heal 10 men? Now, I want you to know that Jesus could count, okay? He wasn't like looking there going, Ha, ah, wait, I, I don't know how to count that far. You know what I mean? No, no, he knew it. So he asked the question, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Does, this, is, does only this foreigner return to give glory to God? And so Jesus then says to this man, stand up and go. Your faith has made you, what's the last word? Well. Now that's kind of interesting because in the scripture, not... All of them were made well. All ten of them were healed, but not all ten of them were made well. What is Jesus getting at when he used that word? Well, physically, we know all ten of them had their leprosy removed. There was not this concern that that was going to happen. But what Jesus is saying is because of your gratefulness, because of your thankfulness, because of this attitude of gratitude that you had, you are going to be made spiritually well. Not just physically made healed, but you are made well. And folks, only a few of us think, thank Jesus personally, and only a few of us experience him powerfully. Only a few of us ever thank God personally, and only a few of us ever experience him powerfully. I mean, 10 were physically healed, but only one was healed spiritually. And somehow, gratitude led to faith, and faith led to eternal life. One of my uh, favorite phrases around this whole idea of thankfulness And gratitude is this. It says, gratitude is the attitude that sets the altitude for living. And if you've been in the jar for a while, you know I use this a lot. And uh, I'd like us to say it out loud together because I'm so pumped by it, okay? On the count of three, one, two, three. Gratitude is the attitude that sets the altitude for living. And gratitude, you need to realize, has to be distinguished from thanks, Now, growing up as a child, uh, my mom made it a really big deal that we were always having an attitude of thankfulness, that we would always say thank you. And uh, no matter what it was, man, she would put it down on you if you did not say thank you for something. So if someone gave us something, whether it was someone in the church, a relative, a total stranger, she wanted us to be grateful to be able to say thank, thank you. And any time that we did not say thanks, she had a secret weapon that she used to make sure that we would say thanks. And that weapon was her elbow. 
She had this bony elbow, and she would place it about right here in our ribs. And whenever we would not say thanks, she would rip that into our ribs. And pretty soon, we would, she would look at us, and she would whisper, and she'd say, Say it. Say it. And we would have to all of a sudden go, thanks, thanks, thanks. And I'm telling you, I have become conditioned that whenever I saw her elbow come out, it didn't matter where we were at, I would just immediately start going, thanks, thanks, thanks. This week, we took her out for her birthday. She turned 84, and we were at this Mexican restaurant when all of a sudden she just like kind of slid up her sleeves a little bit, and she showed that elbow, and all of a sudden, I noticed, 51 years old, and I started going, thanks, 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 because that's the way I was conditioned to be able to do that. Now, it's one thing to say thanks, it's another thing to be very grateful. Because the reality is, how many times do you go somewhere where a person just says thanks, but they mean absolutely nothing by it at all? It's almost just like a polite way to say it. And I'm telling you, that's not the kind of thing that you want to bring to the God of the universe. Thanks, God. Thanks, thanks, thanks. That is not what you want to bring to him. Not just some thanks, Scott. Gratitude, you see, is different. Gratitude says this, to show a kindness received is actually valued. That a kindness that is given to me is actually valued. When you show that a kindness received is actually valued, then you begin to catch hold on to this thing called gratitude. And that's what God longs for us to do. So, what is so great about gratitude? What's so great about gratitude? Well, the first thing is this. Gratitude actually opens our hearts to God. Gratitude opens our hearts to God. You know, every single person in this auditorium and on the stream right now, you have so much to be grateful for. In fact, just by being born in this country... Uh, you are a million times more fortunate than many other people. In fact, uh, uh, 90% of you, 90% of you, that you are the wealthiest people in the world. Because if you came here in a car, you're in the top 10% of the wealthiest people. If you got here in the car, compared to the rest of the world, you are extremely wealthy and you're in the top 10%. Folks, we have been given so much from the hand of God, and yet many times we're just not very satisfied. I mean, what is it about the human heart that allows us to take some things literally for granted? Well, a lot of us have just given into what I call the myth of more, that I would be more thankful to God if I just had more. If I just got more stuff, then I would be thankful to him. And in fact, sometimes in our desperateness, we'll call out to him, asking him to do something, and he does something for us, and then we still don't say thank you. I mean, how many times have you ever found yourself in a jam, and you plead out to God in the midst of it, and you're like, God, I'll do anything. Just help me through this situation. Meet this need for me. Whatever it is, I'm yours for the rest of my life. And then he actually provides the need for you, and you neglect to ever give thanks. On that day, Jesus healed ten lepers, But only one 
actually received a gift and unwrapped it. Ten gifts were given, only one actually opened it and unwrapped it. Folks, what gratitude does is it changes our hearts. It opens our hearts up so that we can experience the blessings that God has for us. The second thing that gratitude does is that it expands our hearts. It actually expands our hearts. You know, when I think of this idea of gratitude expanding our heart, what often comes to my mind is that children's classic book, uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And uh, you know the story of the Grinch. He's got this complaining attitude that he goes down for his entire life. And there's this just nastiness to him. And then one day, he steals everything from this village group of people called the Who's, But then one day, he finds out that they are still filled with gratitude and thanksgiving. And there is this sense that even though everything's gone, they're grateful and they're around the Christmas tree. Remember the scene? I don't even know what the words are. You know what I mean? But, you know, Christmas time is here kind of thing. And they're there and the who's are there. And all of a sudden... His attitude changes, and one of my favorite lines is at the end of the story in which it says, and uh, some say that the Grinch's heart grew three sizes that day. You know, some of you, maybe you've just fallen into that path of the Grinch. You didn't intend to do that, but over time you just have, and you become kind of complaining and You have this joyless, cheerless, kind of whatever my life is horrible kind of thought. And in the midst of that, it's become down and cloudy and damp and depressing and ungrateful and unthankful and complaining and negative. And you're just like, and the reality is all of us, including myself, spend some time there. But that is not where God wants you to live. There is another kind of living, a life that soars above, a life that refuses to focus on the negative, up where the air is clean and where God is moving and where the future is bright. And the truth is this, folks, you can fly up there. And you might ask the question, well, how do I do it? How do I live up in that era, in that part of the stratosphere? I'm telling you, The way it begins is with gratitude. What is it in your life that you can be grateful for? And when that happens, God expands your heart. One more thing that gratitude does is that gratitude has the power to change us completely. It has the power to change us completely. In our story today, you might remember that there were 10 of these lepers who were healed. There were 10, but only one of them came back. And the truth is, folks, I think that percentage is pretty true still today. That about 10% of us, through any particular day, go through it with a true sense of gratitude and thankfulness and looking at everything else around us with great joy. 
And for the most part, there's 90% of us that even when there are blessings that happen, we don't see them, we, come be, be, we become blinded to what that is. And I would guess that 90% in the world, uh, 90% of the people in the world today never take a moment to thank God for the very, very small things. We wait only until the big ones. You know, the truth is, is that sometimes I'm in the 10%. I'm grateful, I'm thankful, I'm living life to the fullest. But many times, folks, I'm at the 90%. And this is where I find I live in that 90% is when I go through my day so busy and everything is so crammed and rushing around from activity to activity to activity that everything is so urgent that I actually become blinded to the small blessings that are around me. You know, when you choose to live a a life of the 10%, you live a life of gratitude, and it will change your life completely around. And you'll begin to soar and live the way that God called you to. So, let me ask you this morning, do you have anything to be grateful for? Do you, the person sitting in your seat or on the stream right now, do you have anything to be grateful for? And of course, the answer is what? Yes, I do. Did the sun come up today? Do you have breath in your lungs right now? Do you have another day for the glory of God to live your life? Then you have ample reasons to be grateful for And some of you might say, well, heck, Chris, I have a lot more than just those three things. I have other things. Well, there is no reason not to have any excuse of why not to have a decision of thankfulness. So I'd like to close by simply having you ponder a couple of questions. And the first one is this. And it's a question that you can ask yourself. Am I a thankful person? Am I a thankful person? Now, some of you are looking on the stage right now and going, I don't know, Chris, are you a thankful person? No, no, no. This question, nice try, people, okay? This question is not for me alone. This is for you as well. Are you a thankful person? Now, uh, for many of you, you're like, well, how do I know whether I'd be a thankful person or not? Well, I'd like us to look at a scripture verse real quick that uh, may help us with this. And it says this, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, why is this verse important? Because many of us will look at this and say, well, how can we do that? Well, it says to be, you know, thankful in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. It would be asinine, it would be stupid for you and I to be thankful for everything. I'm not thankful for when I lose my job. I'm not thankful for when I have cancer. I'm not thankful for when something really bad happens. I'm not thankful for when a loved one dies and I lose them. I'm not thankful for those, but I can be thankful in all things. That in all things, God is present, he has not left me, and he will walk with me through everything. Because God is with you. He'll see you through anything. In fact, God assures us with these words. He says, I'll never let you down, never walk off, and never leave you. 
For some of you, you should take a picture of that on the screen right now because you need that in your life. To be reminded daily, oh, this is what God promises. I will never let you down. I will never walk away. I will never leave you. When you are hurting, he will not walk away. When you are struggling, he will be with you. When you are all alone, he says, I'm as close as your next breath. Am I a thankful person? Part of that is, can I be thankful in all things? Not for, but in. Second question, am I seeing the blessings of thankfulness in my life? I mean, if you were to take an evaluation of your life right now, what percentage of it is kind of this joyless, thankless wilderness, a fire of complaining, and what part of it is actually a percentage of the promised land of thankfulness and gratefulness for what you've got? How often do you thank God for the small things, for the people around you, your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, your job, everything that you see, maybe someone here in the jar? In fact, as a way to practice this, when you walked in today, each one of you should have received this little journal that just says, be thankful. And if you didn't get one, just raise your hand real quick, and uh, we'll have one of our greeters uh, get that for you. But if you didn't get one of these, uh, just go ahead, raise your hand, and one of our greeters will get that to you. But what I want to encourage you between now and the end of the year, if you'll take this challenge, is that each day you'll open it up, and you'll simply write down three things that you're thankful for. Not 10, not 20, not 100, just three. And you take this and you put this on your nightstand right beside you. And before you go to bed at night or when you wake up in the morning, you write down three things. Now, this past year, I've been doing this. And you might look at it and go, well, that's not a big deal. No, it's a huge deal. You know what this has done? This has changed my attitude. Three things. Big things, little things, in-between things, anything you can think of that you write down. I did it last night. Three things that you write down that you're thankful for, and I'm telling you, it'll change your attitude. Because the truth is, is that this is worth the price of admission. When you are not sure what your attitude should be, you look back and you remind yourself, oh, I am thankful for what those three things are. And so I want to encourage you. Maybe you start it today, in this moment. What are three things that you can be thankful for? Folks, if you want to live in the promised land, if you want to live in a in a world of fullness and fulfillment in your life, this booklet right here is a jump start for you. And this might actually be worth the price of admission today for you to do that. And for those of you that are on the stream, you can stop by the church office and get one or just pick one up and you can write it down. But it can change your life. And it can help you to drop the tude. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the fact that you modeled to us an attitude of gratitude 
as you sent your one and only son for us. God, would you give us a sense of wonder today to help us to be thankful for all things, the big things, the small things, the in-between things. Draw us to yourself. Draw us to a place of thanksgiving and help us to be thankful regardless of circumstances, to give thanks in all things, even if sometimes we're not able to give thanks for all things. Today, maybe you're there and you have an attitude check just by this teaching, and it's time for you to make an adjustment. But you're like, man, I can't do this on my own. I need someone to help me because I've been struggling with some stuff, and I need an attitude adjustment. I need one. And so if you're ready to say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your help to change. And I'm committed to writing these three things for the rest of the year, just three things a day. Then I'm going to invite you to raise your hand and let me pray for you. In a a sign of honesty, that you would just raise your hand and say, God, I want your attitude. I want my attitude to change. So let me pray for you. God, thank you for each hand that is raised. Help them this week that each time that they're at a crossroad, when they can choose complaining or choose thankfulness, God, help them to choose the path of gratitude. I pray, God, that you would renew their mind with a sense of your spirit and that they would have your attitude in all things. Give them your discipline, God that over the rest of the year, that they would write down three things each day that they're thankful for and to see their life change. I pray that you'd give them strength to do this, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You can put your hand down. You know, maybe today uh, you're here and the reality is you've never thanked God for being the Lord of your life. You've never, like, taken that step. Or maybe... For some of you, you took the step at one time, but you've drifted away, and today's the day where you're ready to make that step again. Now, many of the reasons why people don't do that is because they get an attitude, and they just think, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. There's no way that God would have a relationship with me. And I want you to know those are lies from the evil one. He desires a relationship with you. And maybe today is the day where you say, you know what? I'm going to be thankful to God. I'm giving my life to him. I want his goodness. I want his love. I want his grace. I want his forgiveness in my life. And if that's you, then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you say by yourself, but it's one that we share together. And so I'm going to invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. And you don't have to say it by yourself, but it's a prayer that we all share together in community. And I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your forgiveness. I give my life completely to you. Jesus, save me from my sins. Make me brand new. Touch my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today, I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.